And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome back to another Head of the Pack playoff edition. Coming to you in the middle of the week since the Packers obviously didn't play. But now that we know their divisional round opponent. There's plenty to break down, plenty to get to, plenty of your questions to answer. I'm Matt Schneidman, as always, here with Bill Huber. Packers 49ers, Saturday, 7.15 p.m. Central at Lambeau Field. A game rich in storylines. These teams play all the time now. I'm just glad I don't have to fly across the country to get to (laughs) one of these games. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure the Packers are too. It is not, um, obviously, some, some bad memories there of of 2019, then obviously the Kaepernick game several years before that where Kaepernick ran for like 8,000 yards against him. So, yeah, after Rodgers is 0-3 against these guys in the playoffs, I'm sure he loves to have home field and, and everything that goes with it. You know, I think the 49ers beating the Cowboys wasn't too much of an upset. The Cowboys just, they didn't choke that game away because they were losing, but um, they could have had a good shot to win that one. And the 49ers tried to throw it away there at the end. I was watching the game with some friends over at Anduzzi's in Green Bay, and I said, I know I said on this podcast last week that the 49ers would be the team I think the Packers would have the easiest chance with. I would like to completely revise that statement. <laughs> I was saying I yeah, think the, pa- here, Matt. <laughs> the Packers would have an easier time with the Rams or Cardinals or even the Eagles. I think the 49ers are the toughest matchup it might be cliche at this point, but just because of what they can do on the ground. I mean, Raheem Mostert isn't playing, obviously, but and and Elijah Mitchell is, I don't think, on that level. But what Debo Samuel can do in the run game and, and how they use him in that offense, yes, they were able to contain him in week three, but that's always a problem that presents itself, is what the 49ers do in the run game not only, you know, blocking-wise with George Kittle and that offensive line, but just how much they stick to the run. I mean, back in the 2019 NFC Championship game, you guys know Jimmy Garoppolo threw the ball eight times and they won. I don't expect them to do that again, maybe, because, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is not a cold-weather quarterback, but I would expect to see a, a heavy insistence on the run game. And the Packers pretty much have the same guys defending the run as they did uh, in the 2019 NFC title game, Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, the Smiths, Rashawn Gary, it's going to be the same guys. Can they stop it? And can the offense avoid, you know, going behind as early as they did and putting up? I, Packers are going to score in the first half, unlike that 2019 NFC title game. But can they stop the run and get out ahead? Yeah, man, that, that running game was incredible yesterday. Buck 69 for the Niners. Debo Samuel, 10 carries for 72 yards. He is, he's a remarkable player. If there's, if Devontae Adams is number one in the league, um, he's got to be right at that second group, right? 
I mean, I, I, I probably would take him ahead of Cup. I'd take him ahead of Hopkins. God, I might take him ahead of Diggs just because he does so many things for us. He is so good. Um, yeah, they've got to stop throwing. Obviously, Devondre Campbell, a big addition over that 2019 team you mentioned. But mm-hmm. the Packers have not stopped the run well of late. They did well against the Vikings in Week 17. But that was with no quarterback whatsoever. Brothel's not bad. You know, I mean, he's not great, but he's not bad. I mean, it's not like they can go to sleep on him like they could against Mannion. So, you know, Joe Barry's had a week to figure this out. You know, I thought this yesterday while watching that game. Just those crucial mistakes on offense, whether it was, you know, the Cowboys mismanaging the clock or Jimmy Garoppolo's bad overthrow of Ayuk or the late interception. Mm-hmm. Like, and my aunt, my aunt Kate, we were texting back and forth and, and she said, and I kind of agreed with this, like, the Packers just don't make the sure special teams, but the Packers don't make those backbreaking mistakes on offense that can give away a game. They are the most sound team offensively um, of whoever they probably would have played, and and certainly more so than the 49ers. I think they're more equipped to put up points than they were two years ago. The 2019 offense wasn't great. You remember the theme of that right. year was kind of winning ugly. And and the 49ers are certainly susceptible to giving up a lot of points because the Packers scored 30 on them earlier this year. Something to watch this week when it comes to what the Packers offense will be able to do is will Nick Bosa and Fred Warner play? Fred Warner uh, injured his ankle, missed about the last eight and a half minutes of the game, I believe, yesterday. And Nick Bosa missed a, a good chunk of the game with a concussion. So he's in the concussion protocol. They're two best defenders. Uh, they both played earlier this year, and the Packers still won, so the Packers can obviously beat them, but uh, that would drastically change the the tenor of this game, I would think. Yeah, I would think so, too. Obviously, the, the Niners get the short end of the stick there with the one day less um, time for Bosa to get out of that protocol. Yeah, I go back to that Week 3 game. Remember Bosa against Yash Nyman? Yep. That first series, Bosa just trashed him. And it's like, my God, this guy's this kid's gonna get killed. But you know, Nyman really settled in and played a heck of a good game. Kept Bosa at bay. Obviously, Bakhtiari's gonna be in at left tackle. I think it's fascinating here with, with Bakhtiari. He played what 27 snaps, Matt? Is that right? Against Detroit? 27. I think it was yes. 27. How's he gonna be stamina-wise on snap 40 and snap 50 and snap 60? Um it just takes one mistake, Matt, at, at that position. It just takes one mistake. To get you beat. Now, I I would think Bakhtiari will be fine, but I think that's a fascinating matchup. Even without Bosa, the, they, man, they they just beat the crap out of Prescott yesterday. Five sacks, 14 quarterback hits. That's a, a lot better pass rush than I recall it being, Matt. Yeah, for sure. But something the Packers have excelled at this year is neutralizing those strong pass rushes by getting the ball out quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, they've done it really the first time we saw them do it was in that 49ers game. Um, listen, I, I think with the Bakhtiari thing, it will be fascinating to see how his conditioning is. And there's nothing, no substitute for, for game shape. Nathaniel Hackett was saying that the other day, like you can do conditioning on the side at practice all you want, but there's nothing that prepares you for a game. So will Bakhtiari play a hundred percent of the snaps? Probably. But right. could I see a scenario where by snap 40, he's like, 
I need a breather. And Yash Nyman comes in and plays five, six snaps on a drive while while Bakhtiari catches his breath. I wouldn't be stunned. It, it would be understandable uh, to see that. And like you said, that was Yash Nyman's first game being thrown into the fire. He, he's, he knows what he's doing now. The Packers kind of had to... Uh, that was their first test run with Yash at left tackle and kind of giving him help with with Robert Tunyon. Uh, I remember primarily it was that game. So they've had experience game planning for these edge rushers with Yash and, and the chipping and whatever. So I think they'll be ready from a protection standpoint. Um, but will they be able to stop Nick Bosa if he plays? We'll see. But also, I think they have an offense capable of game planning around that, even if they can't stop a pass rush, as we've seen with kind of the quick hitters this year. Yeah, I agree. You know, you, you mentioned a few minutes ago, Rodgers 2019. That year, he was 12th in pass rating at 95.4, 17th in yards per attempt, and 21st in completion percentage, 21st. Garoppolo beat him on all those, and significantly so this year, obviously. Rodgers number one in pass rating and third in completion percentage. He just got, he's just in such a better place mm-hmm. with the scheme under LaFleur than he was. I mean, he just he just never was really, really good that year. Now he's really, really good every week. So it is a, a vastly, vastly different quarterback than the Packers threw out there a couple of years ago. So I think that's a great point. And in that 2019 season, his number two receiver was Jamal Williams, pretty much. Like, Jamal Williams was tied for first on the team in touchdown catches with Devontae Adams. I believe they both had five. Um, Lazard and MVS both didn't really come out like they have in spurts over the last two seasons. The Packers have a legit number two wide receiver now yes. in Alan Lazard. I don't believe I said this stat on the po- last podcast we did, but there is only one player in the NFL who had more touchdown catches over the final five games of the regular season than Alan Lazard, and his name is Devontae Adams. So... <laughs> For all those people nuts, saying isn't it? Alan Lazard had five touchdown catches over the last five, five games, Devontae had six. So for all those people saying, and and I hate when you know talk show hosts and people say this. For all those media, for all those people kind of generalizing, I know that that's what what I'm doing here. But I'll rephrase it: if there are any people out there saying, "Oh, the Packers need a, a number two to get over that hump," Alan Lazard is a very viable number two receiver. And then you have MVS who every once in a while likes to come out with four catches, 100 yards, and a touchdown. So you have that. You have two running backs who can who can catch passes. Um, an X factor, getting Randall Cobb back. That's going to be huge. Yeah, he's been – he hasn't always been good, but it's like when they needed him, he's been great. Like that Pittsburgh game in week, what, week four? They kind of did a good job against Adams, so he scored two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Arizona game with when Adams was out with Colbert, he got two touchdowns in that game. And that big shortout against the Rams, he, he was the best player in the field the first half. So you go back to week one where it was Devontae Adams and he had nobody else, right? I mean, Cobb, been a, Cobb barely played that game until garbage time, and Lazard and MVS weren't doing a whole lot. They're in a lot better place now, I think, as far as reliable targets go than they were early in the season for sure. Bill, what do you remember? I don't think that Niners secondary is that good, Matt. Sorry about no, that. No, you're I don't, fine. I, I don't know that they're that good. I don't if think you can protect, I, I think I think there's openings against those guys. This is not the old Richard Sherman secondary. It is you know, Emmanuel Mosley and Kawan Williams. Are, they're fine players, but yeah, 
man, I, I would take Adams and those guys every day of the week and twice on Saturday. Yeah, I think that's a good point. They're, the Cowboys obviously have a, a good passing attack, but if there's a quarterback you want to expose the outsides of the field, the perimeters, Aaron Rodgers is that guy, and, and he can find a way to do it. And I think an underrated aspect of this game is the pass rush for the Packers. If they can get Zadarius Smith and Whitney Merciless to give them something, anything, I think that would be huge because mm-hmm. um, not just in the pass rush, but against the run as well because that 2019 NFC title game, the Smiths were terrible against the run. And uh, I think they're going to need to be a lot better. Listen, I don't know if Zadarius or Whitney Merciless is going to play, but if they do, I think the key to that game is the, is the Packers – defensive front if you can prove early that you're not going to let the 49ers just run all over you and you make them pass the ball and then get some pass rush and make jimmy uncomfortable with his thumb in the cold i think the packers have a really good shot of winning this game yeah you mentioned z they don't need him to be great but like i was mentioning with box here just takes one play to get you beat if they can just get one play from zadarius just one you know Get there early, you know, jar it loose. Maybe it flutters up for a pick. Maybe just a third down pressure for an incompletion. If they could just get one play out of him to supplement what Gary and Preston Smith have been doing week after week after week. Yeah, I, I think they're in really good good shape. As a pass rush was Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Gary, and Kenny Clark. Whew. That's that chance to be really good. Yeah. yeah. And again, Trent Williams is great, but I don't know that the Niners' old line is like super good in protection. Right. I would, I would give Green Bay an edge there. Listen to this. So this is a good stat that uh, our buddy Rob Tomovsky tweeted because ESPN Stats and Info, we're not giving Rob too much credit. ESPN Stats and Info gives him some good <laughs> stuff. Um, since 2014, there have been 101 different quarterbacks to start a game with kickoff temperatures below 40 degrees, and Jimmy Garoppolo is not one of them. In that same time, Seriously? In that same time, 122 different quarterbacks have thrown a pass with kickoff temperatures below 40 and Garoppolo is not one of them. The one game in that time span San Francisco played here or played below 40 degrees was in 2018 at Green Bay. C.J. Beathard started that game, and the Packers won by three. I believe on Mason Crosby's walk-off field goal, I was not covering the team at the time. Uh, While Garoppolo spent three years in New England and the Pats had 13 games with kickoff temperatures below 40 in that time, he took only three snaps and all were kneel downs. That's amazing. Now, he's from Illinois, so... You know, maybe there's some familiar, you know, he's not the Naperville. I think it's from Naperville. Um, you know, some places in Illinois, not that it's Green Bay, but it's not, you know, it's not like it's Bermuda either. So maybe that helps him out. But that that is an incredible stat. All those starts that he's not had anything remotely cold. You do know who went to the same high school as Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Yeah, Bob, Bob Domofsky. Rob Domofsky. <laughs> yeah. Rob said he's not good. That was that was Rob's that was Rob's scouting report in high school. No, just in general, just not very good. Oh. Um, yeah, I, I think. And before we get to questions, I want to. This is my personal question for you, since I saw people discussing this last night. If the Packers win the coin toss, I'm not asking what will they do. What should they do? I think they should defer. Yes. I think they should set the tone and try and get a stop on defense. I saw some people saying you got to set the tone on offense and score first. 
I think they should they should kick. Yeah, I love deferring. Now it, it can get you beat. I mean, if they return a kickoff for a touchdown, that happened to me. Division three football, we were playing lacrosse. Um, no one gives a shit about this, but uh, well, they will because we 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 won the toss. We were really good. They were really good. We won the toss. We deferred. We kicked off to some guy named Bill Schrader, really good Packers receiver, and he returned it for a touchdown. And we were the game was over. We got our, we got our asses kicked. So it can kill your momentum, but still, I were, love were the you idea on that of kickoff coverage team. No, I was it was uh, I was guarding the water cooler, um, <laughs> but yeah, I just like the idea of you get that chance to get that extra possession. You get the ball the second half, and maybe because of that, you get one more possession in the game than you would otherwise. You get a chance to double up. Yeah, I, I like deferring. I, I would defer and, and bet that my defense is better than their offense, and you get the ball back. That's fair. All right, quick before we get into to questions where we'll break down much more of the game prediction. You go oh, first. you got to go with, yeah, the Packers win this one. Um, the Niners have been playing really well, which, you know, when we talked about, while well, we thought the Niners were the, the weakest team, that was just kind of knee-jerk at the time. They, they have won eight of the last ten. Over their last nine games of the season, they were number two in point differential and number three in yardage differential. So they've been playing really, really well. But Green Bay's home. They've got the bye. They're healthy. Rodgers is better than Garoppolo. All those things lead me to believe that Green Bay is going to win this one and by more than a score. 10 points, something like that. What do you got, Matt? Yeah, I think the Packers win as well. But I have seen too many times this year where the Packers have a huge lead and they kind of let, let teams back in. So I think the Packers will win something like 27-21. Okay. Where they win by a little less than a score. You know, it's comfortable in the third quarter. There's a little bit of a scare. The 49ers have the ball with three minutes left at their own 25. But, you know, a Rasul Douglas pass breakup on fourth down around midfield seals the deal, and the Packers get a first down or two and run out the clock. So I think 27-21. I think, like we said, the 49ers pose the biggest threat of any of the possible teams they could have played. But I just think the Packers are much better equipped on defense and on offense. And the 49ers are not as well equipped in the run game to do everything that happened in that 2019 NFC title game. I think there are some similarities. 49ers are still a really good running team. The Packers have not been good defending the run, especially in the second half of the season. But I think the Packers have the stronger team, and I think we're headed for another Packers-Buccaneers NFC Championship game. Yeah, it sure seems that way. God, Tampa's so good, aren't they? I mean, look, Philly, Philly sucks. Philly Jesus. Yeah. Philly stinks, but that is that defense is so good. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, 
has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, let's get to some questions. From Kevin Stalsberg, there is an obvious talent upgrade when you return all of the injured players and move their replacements to the bench. Which injured player do you expect to struggle the most with returning to the lineup? Hmm. Well, it's tough to pinpoint exactly who will be returning. But let's assume they all come back, Matt. So let's just assume everyone's going to come back. Maybe not Merciless, but everybody else. I'd say Billy Turner. Get thrown right in there without game action against Nick Bosa if he plays. That's not easy. Yeah, I'd agree with you, Matt. Um, yeah, it, I would say it, it's the tackles. You know, again, I think Bakhtiari will be fine, but it's such a lonely position out there where one mistake is magnified. Because, you know, if Jair needs a breather, say, you can put in Sullivan for a series and give him some time off. Or may, maybe he's just purely the nickel and he's playing, you know, 60% of the playing time, because that's what the nickel guy does, 60%, right. 70%. So I think he'll he'll be fine from a win perspective. Zedarius isn't going to play much. But it's those guys who are going to play all the time, and that'd be your offensive tackles. You just worry about where they're going to be at in the third and fourth quarter when, or you know, play 12 of the third quarter or play 12 of a third quarter drive. Are they going to have the gas? So I, I would say those guys, and that in the matchups too. With, with Bosa, uh, again, I'm going to assume that he's going to play. The matchups are tough. From at Cathol41, do you think the team has been limiting Aaron Jones' snaps to keep him fresh for the playoffs and he's about to see a massive uptick in snaps and targets? No, I don't think. Um, I know I've gotten this question a, a couple times throughout the season. I don't think they're limiting him or saving him. Yeah, he's been a little banged up, so that might be why. But I think A.J. Dillon is is a very good player. I think that's ultimately what it comes down to and, and why – would you take A.J. Dillon off the field just to give Aaron Jones snaps because he's you know, supposedly the feature guy and highest paid? He's still a really good running back. And the Packers have that. It's a good problem to have, as, as coaches love to say, when you have Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. But there's nothing wrong. Maybe optics-wise there is because of the contract you just gave him. But schematically and strategically, there's nothing wrong with giving A.J. Dillon more snaps, especially with how effective he's been. There's an interesting stat from True Media, which uh, ranks the success rate or, or calculates the success rate of a running back's total body of work, uh, taking into account every run they've had. Um, and it's based on EPA, which is expected points added in an advanced metric that kind of determines the value of, of every play. So, for example... A two-yard run on third and one is held in higher regard. It, that's not going to look good in, in yards per rush or total rushing yards, but EPA, that's reflected more because you're supposed to only get two yards and it's a successful play. So in uh, overall run success rate, the number one running back in the NFL with over 100 carries and run success rate is A.J. Dillon. He rarely, get, he rarely has any unsuccessful quote-unquote, runs, um, 48.7%, I believe, during the regular season of his runs were deemed successful runs by True Media, which I love using. 
so he's been really good, especially in short yardage situations, and there's no reason to take him off the field. Yeah, I think they have been limiting to some extent because of the knee. I just think eight or ten carries of Jones is better than none, but it's also better than 15. Right. So I, I do think you'll see more of Jones than you have, and maybe it's you know getting them both on the field at the same time. That short yardage stuff is great, though, Matt. They are the number one ranked short yardage offense in football. On, thir- on third and one, they are over 90%. The Packers have been historically bottom quartile of the league for years, and even Eddie Lacy's years. They were 24th or worse year after year after year. They are number one in the NFL, and A.J. Dillon is a huge reason why. Because they just trust him, you know? Unlike some of those guys have had over the years, they trust Dillon to get one yard. Because, he, because he's damn because good Because he at can. It. Because he can, and he does. And what, what A.J. Dillon's really good at is, and sometimes this is just as important as the 10-yard runs, is turning the two-yard losses into three- or four-yard gains. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's damn good. And for a big guy, he's got some really good feet, and he's got that ability to somehow at 247 pounds get small and get through there. Good question here from Jace Dowell. We should feel much more confident than I feel we do, but our playoff record for the last 10 years is a minefield of disappointment and collapses. You're not wrong. What can the team do early in the game to provide the fan base the confidence that a number one seed should feel? I think getting a stop and going down and scoring a touchdown. I know that's cliche, but I remember the last NFC Championship game, 49ers started with a ball, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Zedarius Smith stuffed Mostert on third and one on a run on the opening drive. I'm going to look that up while I'm talking here, but I was sitting in the press box at Levi Stadium thinking, all right, maybe the, maybe the Packers can do something here. But then the Packers didn't do anything on their first drive, so it was kind of all for naught. I think if the Packers can get a stop and go down and score a touchdown and set the tone I know it's not an NFC Championship game, but it kind of feels like that. Um, Packers have not led in either of their past two NFC Championship games. I think if they can get an early lead against the 49ers, just like they did earlier this season when they got out to a 17-0 lead, I think that's the key to kind of instilling some confidence, easing some of those nerves of the fan base. Yeah, I'd echo all that. Um, and as far as that, their, their first drive defense has been so bad this year. They've given up a lot of early points in that first ever team. And they Just haven't scored right many either. Right. So I, I, I think to parallel what you're saying, Matt, you, you've got you to reverse that. You can't, you can't fall behind 7 nothing against a team that wants to run the football against you and a team that wants to go rush the passer, and that's the Niners. You've, you've got to start faster. Yep. Um, to, which, is, which would be the opposite of how these guys have started a lot of games this year. Bill, I'm proud of my memory. Ah, nice. shit. No, it wasn't Raheem Mostert. It was Tevin Coleman. Third and oh, whatever. One, a third and one run. Right tackle to the San Francisco 34 for no gain. Zedarius Smith. And who else helped with the tackle? Blake Martinez? B.J. Goodson. Oh, B.J. Goodson. <laughs> Man, he of was course. bad. <laughs> Man, it is unbelievable, though, Matt. B.J. Goodson and Christian Kirksey exactly. and Antonio Morrison, the slugs that they had on those one-year bargain basement contracts at linebacker. And they did the same thing this year, and they got an all-pro Devondre, Col- or Devondre Coleman. Jesus. Devondre Campbell. First all-pro, first-team all-pro at inside since linebacker. Nitschke. Since Nitschke in 66. That's Unbelievable. The, that's the year my Fourth father was charm. born. Unbelievable. That's crazy. Anyway, next question. How m- 
from at JakeZoo22. How do you think the defensive line will rotate in Z and Merciless if they play? Good question. I think Z is going to be a rotational guy. It, this is if they play. Z will be more of a rotational guy who uh, rushes on third down from the edge or when he needs to spare. Not necessarily third down on the edge, but when he needs to spare Gary or or Preston. It's a plus because you don't have to have Garvin and, and Tipa setting the edge anymore. Right. Um, or if you want him to rush the passer over a Lancaster, Lowry, or Kiki, then he can rush from the interior. We've seen him do that before. Merciless, I think just he would just be a guy that you use to spare Gary and, and Preston. I don't think those guys take away snaps from Gary and Preston because of how well they've played. I just think more than anything, Z and Merciless are guys that you should look at and say, okay, less of Tipa and Garvin. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I would think that well, Tipa's not going to play at all. And I, I would, again, I'm just going to guess that, that Z's going to go rush the passer, which means you, a lot of times they've taken out both Gary and Preston at the same time, and it's been Tipa and Garvin as a tandem at the same time. I, maybe, maybe they would take out Preston Smith for a few plays with Garvin. And then Gary for a couple plays with Garvin. So be Garvin is more of the run defending guy, and Zadarius Smith is the nothing but rushing the passer kind of guy. You know, we don't know what he's been up to. Talking about Zadarius, Matt, we haven't seen him do anything. Yeah. Um, they practice six miles from us on the practice field, so we can't really see anything. And we don't we don't see anything competitive. It's nothing but individual drills. We have no idea where he's at. Is he back to one hundred percent? Is he feeling really good? We literally have no idea. We've got nothing to base it on. So and how, I'm, and how, gonna, I'm guessing he's going to rush the passer, but I have no idea. And how much can we trust Joe Barry's word of Z's in a great spot? He looks great. I don't take that for anything. I, I mean, I'm not nope, saying Joe Barry's lying, but I need to see it with Coach my own speak. eyes. Yeah, we have no idea what he's been up to. Yep. Here's one from at Citizen Keith. Between Jordan Love and Trey Lance, who will play the most snaps? Trey, Trey, Lance, <laughs> Trey Lance, probably like two to zero. I, I think I don't think it's going to be a blowout, and I don't think Jordan Love will be in in a blowout. I think they'll use Trey Lance like they did in that first game, maybe to come in and you know run for a touchdown on the last snap of the first half or something like that. So, not, I'm not saying that'll happen exactly, but um, kind of like how the Raiders use Marcus Mariota, kind of a change of pace. You know, it's going to be a running situation probably. Um, or or maybe a, a triple option sort of thing. So Packers are going to have to watch out for that too because when Trey Lance came on the field, he did run for a touchdown, and that made the game interesting heading into halftime. Yeah, Lance didn't even play against the Cowboys. That's surprising. You're, you're wondering, A, is he just falling out of favor because Garoppolo's played pretty well, or B, is Shanahan been keeping a whole bunch of crap in his back pocket to spring on spring on the Packers for this one? I'm, I'm going to just think that is their guy right now, and They'll stick Lance in there if they need a jump start or something, but um, it, very, it very well could be 0-0 zero to zero by game's end. It very well could be. From John P., the Packers have been susceptible to good tight end play. See Baltimore game. Would they match someone like Stokes or Douglas on Kittle and leave Jair on the outside or similar? Will Z play and be like Z, or will it be like Aaron Donald last playoff? It's two-parter. We'll, we'll tackle the Z part first. I don't think it'll be like Aaron Donald last playoff because the Packers don't need Zedarius to do as much as the Rams needed a banged up Aaron Donald to do. So I think if Zedarius is clearly banged up and not effective, Packers don't have to play him. They have other guys. 
Rams had to play Donald since they didn't have anyone else. Tight end play. George Kittle, he's very good. Especially because he can make it look like he's blocking because they have him do that so often and then pop out. He can make guys miss after the catch, break tackles. Um, In terms of who they match him up with, we talked about earlier how it could probably be Jair Alexander in the slot, but do you really want Jair Alexander tackling and hitting George Kittle? Um, I don't know. I think Rasul Douglas might be the most physical or best matchup for a tight end. That's what I would do, but there's a reason I'm not an NFL coach. Um, So I think Douglas would be the best choice. I think Alexander will be the likely one. And Fred Warner just tweeted, sorry for the scare yesterday, everyone. I appreciate everyone showing love and support for me and the fellas. We'll be good to go. Huge win on to the next. So there you go. One of the best linebackers in the league will be on the field on Saturday. Little breaking news there for you on the podcast via dun, Fred Warner. Dun, 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 bum, bum. You know, I, I understand the question about tight ends, but it's never one guy. Right. You know, it's Devondre Campbell's going to get a shot at him. Amos and Savage are going to have their shots on him. They'll, they'll, they'll put two on him. They'll go zone. Um, it takes a village, right? So it, sometimes it's, it's a bit simplistic that you're going to stick player X on a tight end because it just doesn't work that way. But I will say the Douglas idea is interesting. Though. If it's like third and eight late in the game, Douglas isn't a bad idea. Yeah. Because he, he is a taller guy. Obviously, he's not as physical as Kittle has been. I mean, nobody is. But that's an interesting idea. Kind of like it. Yeah, and you know the good thing is, as opposed to years past, they don't have Will Redman on tight ends or, <laughs> you know, Blake Martinez or any other linebacker that we've talked about trying to tackle tight ends in the flat or something like that. They're, I think they're better equipped to do that. Obviously, Mark Andrews um, kind of bullied Darnell Savage a couple weeks ago. I think that experiment's over. They're not going to put Darnell Savage, or they shouldn't um, put Darnell Savage on him. If they don't, I think they will be in decent shape. As you know, I'm just looking at the defenses against tight end numbers. Green Bay actually hasn't been awful against them. They're, they're pretty well middle of the pack and everything, which isn't great, but I think I don't think they're as bad as people think they are defensively against tight ends. Um, but, man, you're, you're, you're going to have to dedicate guys to Samuel. Ayuk is really blossomed, and, of course, we've already talked about the run game. There's, And I know there's there's a bunch of questions on on the on your question thread, Matt, about how do you, where do you dedicate your resources, Matt? against this defense. Where, where, where are you focusing on to start the game? I think you got to make sure Debo doesn't get loose around the edge. If he's lining up outside as a receiver or even in the slot, then you obviously have guys to cover him just one-on-one, I think. But if he's in the backfield or if you see him going in motion, Devondre Campbell's got to be on his toes because the guy that's going to prevent Samuel from screwing you over horizontally is Devondre Campbell. He's covered the field so well this year, tackled really well. Um, You saw yesterday on that touchdown run Debo Samuel had, he kind of looks like he's going to go up the right sideline and then he cuts back and there's so much space in the middle of the field and he goes pretty much untouched into the end zone for that touchdown that that gave San Francisco a cushion. So 
I think Devondre Campbell's the guy that's going to have to prevent that. Debo Samuel's priority number one when it comes to stopping uh, the run game and the passing game. Packers don't travel cornerbacks, so I'll be interested to see kind of where Debo lines up, who the Packers have on him. But Devondre Campbell is going to have the primary responsibility of making sure Debo Samuel does not get open around the edge. Yeah, I agree with you, Matt. Um, Elijah Mitchell's a good player, really good player, but Samuel Estet, that play you just illustrated, he can go the distance on any every single play. You've just got to make sure that you've got eyes on him at all times. Because five yards and six yards of Elijah Mitchell's probably not going to beat you. 50 yards of Debo Samuel is going to. You know, in a perfect world, Matt, you just stick Jair on him and you call it a day, right? Yeah. But this is not a perfect world. That's uh, be interesting to see. Do they put... Where's our confidence in Jair? Again, kind of like we're talking about with Z, Matt. We have no idea where he's at, Jair. He's practiced for a bunch of weeks now, but again, we don't see anything competitive. Uh, we don't know if he's stuck anybody at all. Um, we're all in the dark. I'm, I'm going to assume that he's healthy and fully 100% to go because he's been on the practice field for so long, but we have no idea, honestly. No idea. Here's one, Bill, that I want your opinion on since you were covering this game from Matthew Cook. Any chance the 49ers bring in Trey Lance and go Kaepernick on the Packers? PTSD kicking in. What do you remember from that 2013 game? I had never seen anything like it. And, and that was the problem with the Packers is they'd shown a little bit of it during the year. that they had, they had never really featured the read option again and again and again. And they just... They hit him with it again and again and again, and he just ran wild. And the Packers had never the Packers had no answers for it. Now the playoff rematch here a year later, they did a lot better against Kaepernick. He ended up having a good day numbers wise, but they were in much better shape. But that was that was a unique offensive day because it was a unique offense. The Fortnite had just showed so little of that. It's like they had it all tucked away in their back pocket, and they just sprung on him. In the playoff game, what he ran for 220 or something like that, and had like mm-hmm. 400 and some yards of total offense. It was, it was a remarkable day by a guy we all thought was going to be the next great thing. And a couple years ago, or a couple years later, we all know the story of Colin Kaepernick. And I was a senior in high school when that game happened, so it shows you how much I know. Um, we kind of touched on that one. Well, let's do this from Jackie Childs. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. How does Barry position the best 11 to stop the San Francisco run game? Who's that outside slot corner, first and second versus third down, assuming Jair and Z play? Yeah, like we've talked about, I think the most likely thing they do is put Jair in the slot, Rasul and Stokes on the outside, and then only bring Z and potentially Merciless in when Preston or Rashawn need a breather. That could be on first and second down. Or for obvious passing situations taking Lancaster or Lowry or Kiki off the field and rushing Z or Merciless from kind of that rover spot or from the inside so you can have a very obvious blitz like the the Joe Barry's not going to try and maybe he will disguise the blitz if it's third and 11 I can guarantee you Zadaria Smith is going to be on the field over Tyler Lancaster and rushing from the inside yeah, um, yeah, I think so. I just, you know, you, you, Stokes has not played in the slot, and I don't know that he's made for that. And, and Douglas, we haven't seen go in the slot either. Alexander's like that tailor-made slot guy with that quickness. And 
he'll hit you. He's never shied away from contact, and he just seems like the guy you want to stick in there. And again, I'm, it's been so long, I, I, I'm going to assume that he's 100% ready to go, and there's no issues or, or questions about his shoulder. Other than maybe he needs to go tackle somebody once, and he'll be fine. From next, well, there's a John Kuhn question. Has this John Kuhn Lambeau leap from the 2013 season cursed the Packers versus Niners in the playoffs? And it's a gif of John Kuhn kind of just running up to the wall and not jumping. Um, <laughs> it's pretty funny. <laughs> from, from Steve, Vandy1690, do you stack the box in an effort to take away the run and take your chances with Kittle and Samuel? Or do you take away Kittle and Samuel and hope our offense puts up enough points to take their run game away? Like we said, I think the Packers' offense is much more equipped to get out to a lead early, and that will take the Niners away from that run-heavy approach, I think. The, the Niners won't be able to just run the ball all the time, if obviously, if they don't get out to an early lead. Um, Kyle Shannon has shown that he's willing and capable of sticking to the run to get them back in games, even when they're trailing. So I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. But it's interesting. Do you stack the box and take your chances with Kittle and Samuel? Well, Samuel is one of those running backs you might need to stack the box for. Same with Kittle in the run game. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. I don't I don't think you can do one or the other because the Niners are are too good offensively to be able to take advantage what you're giving them, take advantage of what you're giving them. Um I would assume the Packers try and stop the run first, but if they get out to an early lead that kind of frees them up a little bit defensively. Yeah, I I think you got to bet on your guys to win up front. You got to bet on Kenny Clark and Lowry and Lancaster to to beat their guys and Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary to do what they haven't always done, and that's set the edge. You got to pound it into those guys' head. You're not chasing quarterbacks. You are setting the edge and play with good eyes. I, I think you got to count on those guys. And if that's not good enough, then you sell out to stop the run a bit. But I, I think you count on those guys to go win with those fresh legs. And I think they're equipped to do it, Matt. I do. As do I. All right. There you go. Packers 49ers. Sunday night, Lambeau Field. That's that's why we do this job, to cover games like this. We appreciate you guys for all your questions. You can check out Bill's work on Sports Illustrated, mine on The Athletic all week. We'll have stuff for you every day. Appreciate you guys listening, and we'll talk to you after the game on Saturday. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 